Hello, Assalamu alaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And I'm back. I wanted to give it a bit of a break. Um, I could have, you know, been like the others and talked about the immediate um, updates of what's going on. But here I'm going to do it more as a sort of a recap to show you all what's uh, been going on. And once again, it looks more like I'll be rambling about the cold and how it's affecting our life more than anything because it is extremely cold, okay? Um, every day is basically swaying between uh, 5 and 7 degrees. Um, you're lucky if it's 12. Actually, it's unbelievable. Even when they say it's 12, you're freezing, your hands are numb. You can't believe the weather forecast, really. You can't believe the temperature that they're telling you. Even now, the, the sun is supposed to be out. It is kind of out, but um, it's so weak, you know, it's the winter sun. And it's kind of even weaker than the winter sun, you can say. So, as I said, our hands are numb. We can literally not feel anything that we're touching. Uh, you touch the buttons on the remote and you don't even know if you're actually pressing them. It's, it's, it's that cold. Um, and in this cold, um, the Balochistan women are still out in Islamabad, still protesting, despite the fact that people are actually, people were a bit scared of the repercussions of um, the Iran-Pakistani, um, you know, dick measuring that just happened, the, you know, um, more than dick measuring, but actually in a way it was, but more than that, it was more like, you know, boosting uh, oneself and each other in a way, because as you know, at that point, the um, Revolutionary Guards Corps of Iran, they were, you know, in a fix, in a bind. And our army is most definitely in a, in a pickle because it is right now the most hated institution in Pakistan. And the people are not at all ready to cooperate or listen to the army in any way. And because of that, um, you know, uh, as I said, every single activity that the army engages upon to me is suspect. And this, this was in a way a godsend to the army, you know, Iran um, falling into America's trap um, and, you know, being egged on by India, um, you know, making the most foolish, most reckless mistake ever, uh, which it, it instantly regretted because, as I said, there is there are suspicions that the Iranian government actually did not even know what the Revolutionary Guard, Guards Corps was up to and what they had actually done. So our army um, kind of benefited from that in the sense that when it retaliated, um, you know, it made the people feel that, okay, finally it's doing its job. But if, obviously there are people like me who are thinking that, okay, so this the army just used it to its benefit, to its advantage, so that now it can, you know, um, milk it in any which way to get us all back under its control. But obviously the army has underestimated us, which is, is based on some of the other um, scholars or some um, real um, analytics who have mentioned this fact that the army should not think in any way that it can use this to go against the people of Pakistan and continue to force the people of Pakistan to, um, you know, submit to the army's plans. Um, in fact, if anything, the army should realize by this very incident that it fully needs the people um, to back it up. Otherwise, it is a lost cause. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, apart from that, now, the other thing that just, that happened, uh, you know, uh, recently um, was 
the judge of the accountability court. And this is that judge who has been in charge of all the huge cases, you know, the cases against Nawaz Sharif and his daughter, the cases against Gilani, the cases of uh, treasury corruption that was against Gilani, and then, you know, the case of corruption against Cocker, the current illegal uh, caretaker prime minister. And then, you know, um, I mean, all these really huge cases, the steel mill case, the trials, everything was basically um, presided by him. And this is um, Muhammad Bashir. So what does he do? Um, Muhammad Bashir, when this case of Imran Khan comes to him, uh, he decides to immediately apply for a medical leave until retirement. So that is, you know, raising eyebrows because in a way, I mean, we don't know if he's trying to recuse himself from this case because he does not want to be used, um, you know, to give uh, a wrong decision. You know, it could be that. And he has only two months basically to his retirement. You know, he's uh, less than two months. He's retiring in March. And he's the, he's probably thinking that, you know, I'm not going to get involved in all of this BS. <clears throat> Better retire while I still have some respect left to my name. Could be that. Or it could be that he does not want to um, be responsible for this trial. He does not want to be the one to make the right decision and get into trouble just before retirement. I don't know. Nobody knows what exactly is going on in his mind. So... This this current case that he's supposed to be dealing with is actually the, the absolute ridiculous farcical case of uh, the iddat, you know, the marriage illegality of uh, Imran Khan, which obviously the whole world is probably laughing at. I mean, because it is a laughable case. Any, any sane judge would just laugh the case out of his coat. But here we are. This is Pakistan, obviously, which is, you know, the colony of the United States of America. So anything goes as long as it works for America. And apart from that, um, when it comes to the actual on-ground um, activities as to what Nawaz Sharif's party members are facing and what Zardari's party members are facing, they are literally, literally facing, um, you know, uh, physical um, aggression from the public wherever they're going. First of all, they don't have enough people. As I said, we've counted the few people that they have who can run the campaign, and most of them are their family members. So obviously, they're on the top list of the people, you know, of uh, wanting to get back at, and the people are pissed off at. So, you know, we have um, got um, people like, you know, um, Wait, so sorry, before I forget, actually, because uh, coming to the people who are being under fire uh, by the public of Pakistan, uh, the reason why, actually, um, the people are under fire even more is because um, recently, again, what happened is that um, there was a lawyer who chanted um, slogans against Mariam Nawaz in front of her, and he called her a thief. And so the policemen under Mariam's orders immediately went and, um, you know, grabbed hold of him. And he's not the only one. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer or a judge or a student or just a civilian, any civilian. Um, you know, as long as you dare to um, call them out, as long as you dare to call Mariam Nawaz out on, you know, what she's doing, um, not only will you be immediately arrested, but strange, it's very strange that um, they will immediately fabricate you as a perpetrator of the 9th May attack.
which is really pissing people more off, you know. Um, so because of that, actually, although this you can see the USA 9-11, post 9-11 practices right in your face at this point, because that's exactly what America did to students that came that were from Muslim countries and to students that were in America and to uh, native, um, you know, Muslim Americans. By native, I mean naturalized, you can say, or those who were born there, you know. Um, so you had American Pakistanis or American Indians or American Bengalis or any, any American Muslim, you know, he was under fire. They did not even leave their um, otherwise legends, you know, of the entertainment industry or of the media, you know, once... Uh, declared legends, suddenly they found out that because they had converted to Islam, so now they were under fire. Um, and, you know, the American government and uh, American authorities were harassing them, <clears throat> not to mention that they were facing um, extreme um, harassment and discrimination by other people in America, obviously, because that shows the ignorance of America, that they have been living amongst Muslims and they have actually borrowed the Islamic framework, the Islamic social and legal framework and they still don't know anything about Islam and Muslims. Um, they don't know that they are actually living the Islamic life and they are. it's thanks to the Islamic legal system and the Islamic social system that America is where it is today. Which obviously Trump proved when Trump said, okay, I'm going to get rid of everything Islamic in the country and everybody cheered him on. One of the first things he did was, you know, trying to abolish women's rights um, to abortion which in Islam, they have actually rights to abortion. And then he tried to abolish women's rights generally as a whole, degrading them to second-class citizens. And then he went for kids, and then he went for, you know, so he went for all those all those major, major, um, um, you know, aspects of the Islamic legal framework and social framework that America prided itself on, claiming that it was its own. So, I mean, he just kept his word, really. Uh, Trump kept his word. You wanted Islam out of America. He was taking Islam out of America. So then why did you have a problem? Nobody knows. So, yeah. I think you, you can probably hear something in the background is the azans that have started. Um, this is the Zohar azan that have started. It is about 1.13 p.m. And if you look outside, it looks as if it's, you know, still early in the morning. It's better than yesterday. Yesterday was like, really, yesterday, you didn't even understand if the day had started or ended. Throughout the day, it was as if it was pre-dawn, you know, or or post-dusk, or just, you know, whatever. So, coming back, <clears throat> um, you know, the the people, as I said, they, you know, they got even more angry that now anybody who was going to dare ask them for votes, um, they were not only yelled at by the people by the crowd. They were even literally um, abused by the people. The people cursed at them and they cussed at them. And they were like, you know, how can you even dare come to us and ask for our votes? You know, how dare you? So people literally asked them, how dare you show your face? How dare you ask us for votes? So one of them being Noor Alam, you know, Noor Alam specifically faced a very humiliating experience in his literally fistful worth of a rally where just a handful of people stood there. Um, and they all said that, yeah, you can yap whatever you want, but at the end, we're just voting for Imran Khan. You know, you are the one who betrayed him. And then we had uh, on the, you know, on the other side, we had Shabir Qureshi because Shabir Qureshi was always an independent candidate. Even in the previous elections, he uh, campaigned as an independent candidate and then he won. Uh, but uh, he had 
um, sort of collaborated, you can say, with Imran Khan. Uh, so he had sort of given up his votes to Imran Khan. So in other words, he um, sh- he joined in with Imran Khan <clears throat> after the elections. So he reminded the people that unlike others, unlike others, um, he is not going to you know, betray Imran Khan, um, that even last time he was an independent candidate and he joined Imran Khan. And even now he is an independent candidate and he will stay loyal to Imran Khan. Um, he will, you know, um, join votes with him. So that, um, if you look at his rally, it was a hugely successful rally in Punjab. Um, so then we have Safdar on the other side, you know, the husband who actually nobody even knows if he really is still the husband of Maryam Nawaz. Because if he is the husband of Maryam Nawaz, then the legality of Maryam's <coughs> second marriage um, to, you know, somebody in the Middle East, not naming names, um, uh, you know, is in question. And if in anything, then her, her marriage legality needs to be, uh, you know, put in court and she needs to be you know in trial for that because if she is divorced with Safdar then why is she still claiming that he's you know uh, that she's not divorced with him so um you know she's if she has divorced Safdar then fine she got married somewhere but then why did she hide that marriage you know and why she why did she hide the children from that marriage and if she has not divorced Safdar then how did she get married again so that poses the illegality in our case, which is a clear-cut case <clears throat> in any case. Um, so, you know, uh, when Safdar comes out and decides to campaign, then the people were like, okay, tell us one thing. Um, there was a young student. He was like, tell us one thing. Um, you're, you're constantly berating Imran Khan um, that he didn't do anything. We can actually count a whole list of things that Imran Khan did for us, and he only had three years before you people came and toppled him. But you have had 35 years to rule over this country. What have you done? And, you know, he was like, um, you know, when he tried to, to give some, you know, some lame excuses and the people were like, no, you, you need to give us an answer. We know what he's done. You know, he, he's, he's done a lot. Um, but what have you done in 35 years? Okay, you said he didn't do anything. You had 35 years. You had, oh, you had three decades to do something. How come you never did anything? And at the end of the day, Safdar lost it and tried to threaten the student who asked him this question. He tried to threaten the people around him who were asking him these questions. So, I mean, is this how you ask for votes? Do you actually think you're going to get votes like that? So it means that you just think that going out and asking for votes is just a formality that you want to record, you know, on on, uh, camera so that you can say, you can claim later on and fabricate it and say that, you know, oh yeah, you know, people voted for us. Yeah, nobody's voting for you. People are literally hitting them slapping them, throwing shoes at them, grabbing them by collar, by their collars and asking them, you know, how the hell can you think that you can come to us like this after what you've done to us and what you're doing to us right now and ask for our votes. So, you know, similarly, another Noon League, uh, you know, PMLN, uh, uh, Sharif's party's candidate, Noor al-Hassan, um, the, the people, they just started yelling at him, they cursed at him, they, you know, they literally chased him to his car where, where he was trying to escape to, um, you know, and they heckled at him and they grabbed him and they were like, how dare you come here to ask for your vote, 
for our our vote. Um, <clears throat> Sadiq Ayaz was another uh, one who was chased by the public. He was also grabbed by the collar and manhandled. So these are just a few examples of what is actually going on. Even where Bilawal goes, people are like, yeah, you know what, you're just a thief. Get get back to England where you were, you know, or just go back to your house, you know, wherever it is. Um, how dare you come to us? You know, you literally stole from us all the time that you were in England. You literally used the treasury, you know. Uh, you literally took money from the treasury in order to um, take care of your expenses in England. And that is, you know, why Gilani had to go to trial because he was the one in charge of the treasury and he was the one getting out the money for Bilawal Porto, who was in England at that time. So here we have it, you know. Um, then obviously, again, the repentance of uh, the army's pathetic efforts at shutting down the internet. Um, that was on the 20th of January which was uh, basically two days ago on Saturday. Um, and at 7 p.m. was supposed to be PTI's uh, online rally. And so what did they? What did the government do? They completely shut down YouTube and they shut down Metaverse. More pathetic, uh, you know, YouTube and Metaverse that is actually allowing governments uh, from all over the world to use them as their political tools <clears throat> to dictate their businesses, to um, use them to censor people's content. I mean, as I say it again, it's laughable because I don't even promote my YouTube because actually I'm not a fan of YouTubes. And I only post my pod uh, my podcasts on my channel just because there are some friends of mine who, you know, find it easier to just, you know, go through YouTube. And I literally have less than 100 followers, okay? <laughs> I literally have less than even 50 followers. And yet, YouTube has been um, censoring my content in the sense that it has been pushing it down to invisibility. That people who are even subscribed to my channel, they they have not been able to see any of my you know new um, uh, podcast episodes that were uploaded on YouTube. They do not even know that I had posted new stuff up on YouTube. Um, they, in fact, YouTube even uh, decided to, um, you know, uh, d delete one of my content, one of my episodes, because one of the mainstream media did not like the fact that I pointed out that their news was fabrication on social media. So they decided to, um, you know, compl complain to YouTube, citing that I was going against, you know, um, Pakistani government, whatever, you know. So basically, YouTube makes sure that my videos do not have visibility. So <clears throat> it is doing it with other people, but other people actually are not that affected, even though they claim they are, but they're not that affected because they have already about, you know, 100,000, um, you know, a, a million followers, stuff like that. They have thousands of followers, in other words, but I don't even have 100. So to me obviously it's the effect is this that the people you know who i know personally are the ones who are subscribed some of them at least i know personally who are subscribed to my channel and then i just ask them i'm like do you even know that i am still posting stuff and then they're like no we didn't know that because we couldn't see anything so there is that um, I think it's very, very pathetic. I think YouTube and Metaverse have, uh, I mean, Metaverse has al always been, uh, of you know, uh, disreputable, you know, uh, for being 
for always allowing first the American government and then other governments to use it for their political agenda, to dictate its business, to use it to censor people's content, to use it to surveil, you know, <clears throat> people. That is how America created a lot of, you know, uh, terrorists after the 9-11 thing in order to, you know, uh, subjugate people in countries and to harass people, you know, even within America. Um, it's, it's through Facebook, really, because Facebook was not private. It was allowing its content to be seen by the government and to be manipulated. And the details of the people were open, you know. There was no privacy. There still is no privacy on Facebook. People need to realize that. And now, um, it was, that wasn't enough, but YouTube decides to follow suit. I mean, seriously, what happened to you being the biggest social media platform for people to share any and every content? You know, what happened to freedom of people on social media? What happened to the fact that it is illegal for any government to... Uh, poke and prod within any social media platform. Uh, what happened to privacy of uh, users in social media platforms? So, I mean, you know, it's, it's pathetic of the governments to use social media for their political agendas and to harass people um, and to censor content. But I think it's even more pathetic of YouTube and Metaverse who have generated billions in amount um, because of these users. Um, and the fact that they are, you know, turning around and um, giving up the privacy of, the, of their users, you know, and handing over all their details to the governments and, you know, uh, working with the governments to censor content. I think that is even more pathetic and desperate uh, of, uh, you know, of YouTube and Metaverse. And I think it is absolutely ridiculous. It's pathetic. It's beyond pathetic. Um, so, yeah, so to allow... Um, the government to shut down YouTube, which is, you know, the largest broadcasting platform on the social media, you know, just so that people should not be able to see the PTI rally. And once again, you know, it, it backfired. Why? Again, people like me who did not even know that there was a rally as soon as the internet shut down. I mean, in my case, the internet didn't shut down. Those again who have PTCL, their whole internet was shut down. Those who have other, um, and, you know, other... ISPs who are not exactly, uh, you know, under the Pakistani government, they had their apps shut down. So they had YouTube shut down and they had Metaverse shut down. And, you know, and then everybody was like, okay, so what's going on? Why is, is the government, why is the government tampering with everything? Oh, okay. Everybody automatically realized there must be something PTI going on. And then everybody found out that, oh, at 7 p.m. there's supposed to be this rally. And, and again, everybody started switching on their VPNs in order to see the rally or to participate in the rally, you know, online. So, you know, I mean, seriously, that was pathetic. I mean, seriously, it's pathetic. YouTube and Metaverse, you need to get a life. How long do you think you're going to... Or, or maybe that is the thing. Maybe the fact that the owners of Metaverse and YouTube, they do not care that soon their businesses will finish, people will pull out, people will boycott their platforms, people will stop using their platforms because everybody wants their privacy, uh, you know, uh, adhered to and respected. And nobody allow, will allow that their details be, you know, um, shared with anybody or any government of, of any part of the world. So, yeah, I would say that uh, if YouTube and Metaverse are thinking that it's okay, that they've had enough of the, of you know, a long run of their businesses and that, you know, they can wrap up any time and, and, and you know, they don't mind it, 
then okay, yeah, you can do whatever it is that you're doing. But if you actually plan to stay long term, then you need to reprioritize yourselves. Seriously, how pathetic can you be? Well, this is me now ready to wrap up. Um, it's too cold, as I said. My hands are really beginning to hurt and I have to pray as well. Um, and as you can see, the minute I start talking, that is when my throat begins to act up. That's when my sinuses begin to act up because the cold um, that has stuck to us since uh, last month is just not going away. If anything, it keeps looking for ways to come back, especially when I start talking. So talking for me has become... Um, it's not something that I enjoy doing in any case, but, you know, whenever I'm trying to rec record my podcast, then seriously, it just makes things worse. So hope everybody is fine. Hope everybody stays fine. Do not forget that, um, your, our governments are responsible for what is going on in the world today, that our governments actually want to wage war at our expense, that Palestine needs a ceasefire and there and the illegal state of israel needs to be put a stop to um kashmir also needs respite so understand that soon we will be once again pushed back into um the age of darkness i mean those of us in pakistan already are being pushed back to the age of darkness but in america in europe you too are going to be very quickly pushed into that age of darkness where you will have nothing and no one. Why? Because our governments are stealing from us and they're stealing resources from us. Why? To prepare for war, which is not going to help anybody. But there you have it. Greed of man knows no bounds. This is me signing out. Khuda Hafiz.